Welcome to Fast Facts. I'm Jody. I'm Shelly. We're a new media concept, a co-working space in the design district called The Slate. The most amazing people have walked through these doors. Authors. Entrepreneurs. Community leaders. Dallas natives. And guests from near and far. We're going to bring them in this room and we're going to sit them down and we're going to ask them the questions you are asking too. These will be quick so you can listen on your drive in or your drive home. We are completely off the cuff, but that is the best part about Fast Facts. And the only person you can really be off the cuff with might just be your sister. Truth. Let's see who's slating it. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Who's in studio, Joe? We're back. Eve Wiley, fertility advocate. She's going to tell us about fertility fraud. So how do you know about fertility fraud? This is very, very personal. It is very personal. I am the product of fertility fraud. Hmm. In 2018, I did a commercial DNA test and because my son was sick. And I found out that my mom's fertility doctor inseminated her with his own sperm <gasps> instead of the sperm donor that they consented and selected to you. I mean, that is, that is literally jaw dropping and life changing. Yeah. How old were you? I was 30 years old. You were 30 years old. So did you have a complete identity crisis at 30 years old? Complete identity crisis Mm -hmm. because this was my third time starting over. I had my dad who passed Mm -hmm. away when I was seven, Mm -hmm. but he wasn't my biological father. Mm -hmm. And then I found the donor that my parents selected. Donor 106. Stop. Yes. And, And I found him when I was 18 years old and I have called him dad since I was 18. Stop it. Whoa. He officiated my wedding. No, no, no. no, no. My kids call him Papa. No, no. He's been dad. And it was all because my sweet son got sick and we were trying to figure out what was wrong. And then that's when the secret. And I always knew there was a secret. I just didn't know that I was that secret. Right. So then at 30, you take the test and do you call your mother and say, Yeah, what do you do? Yeah, what is that for? Who's the first Take phone us call? to the moment, yeah. Oh, man. So I was in, we were actually on vacation and my mom was with us. And I was talking to who I thought was a half sibling. And I thought, here I am dropping this bomb on him. Like, hey, dude, your dad's not your dad. It's Steve, donor 106. He's really cool, don't worry. And the guy is like, no, it looks like my dad. I'm like, oh, here we go, okay. So we go back to the, the 23andMe results, and he um, he says we're first cousins. So I was like, all right, I'll humor you. Oh. So we go through the whole thing. I'm like, well, if we're first cousins, your uncles, one of them is my dad. And he mm-hmm. said, well, I only have one uncle. His name is Kim McMorris. Oh, hey, he's actually from your area in Nacogdoches. Oh, stop it. Stop it. And Kim McMorris, my mom's doctor, the man who delivered me, the hero in their infertility story. That is nuts. And I mean, the world just stopped. But it's one of those moments where it's like the truth. It just made sense. Where all those Uh red flags of the last, you know, however many years of things that, you know, cognitive dissonance that I've been Mm -hmm. pushing away Mm -hmm. were finally like, that makes sense. The sperm bank had told me that I was one of the oldest ones, but I had a half brother that was almost 13 years older than me. That's a red flag. But I was so sure that Steve was my biological father because that's what the sperm bank said. That's what my mother's medical record said. And that's what you wanted to believe, right? And I had this fairy tale story. But like with every fairy tale, there's a dark twist. Oh, no. This was that dark twist. Yeah. So I immediately, well, immediately I finished my one. Yeah. And it was one of those moments of like, what do I do? Because I had a choice. I could pretend like I never found this. And, and my mm-hmm. life could continue. Ignore. I, I could ignore mm-hmm. it. Denial. 
I could put it away. This is literally the stages of grief. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, yes. it really is. And and the whole process of anything with finding out your genetic identity is, is not what you thought. There is that cycle of grief. Yeah. Whether you're an adoptee, whether you're mm-hmm. you have mis- misattributed parentage, mm-hmm. um, non-parent expected result, it is a process. And um, but but I, I knew that I was not going to be able to live a genuine and authentic life if I didn't live in the truth of it. And so I finished my glass of wine. And <laughs> <laughs> what what type of wine? Maybe we should get. And you're with your mom. And I'm with my mom. They are all upstairs watching I Tanya. And um, I mean, no, Netflix will moment. get you. This yeah. is the moment. This yeah. is where you were. You remember. Yeah. And, and I walk upstairs. I just remember, you know, everyone turns to look at me like, what are you doing? You're up to your movie. And I'm like, turn it off. Big news. And I told my mom. And but it's exactly what I did when I was 16 years old. Mm-hmm. And I found out I was donor conceived by going through her emails. Oh, I had to go wow. tell her then. And so but I mean, that's who I run to. Right. Like that's your mom. Big, my mom. Mm-hmm. And so I told her and she was in shock. I mean, she was like, yeah. there's no way. Yeah. He's a wonderful person. He would never do He's that. He's my doctor. He's my doctor. He's amazing. I trust my doctor. And yeah. then she started like physically shaking to the oh. point where my husband is like, uh, blankets, to- hospital, mm-hmm. what do mm-hmm. we need to do here? Y'all, she could not believe it for days. Yeah. Even though I had all the DNA evidence, people lie. DNA does not lie. Yeah. Now, did you ever question 23andMe though? Did you go get another test? Kind of like you get a second opinion to be like, okay, I mean, surely that can't point to the, I mean, if it's pointing to your doctor, it's pointing to your doctor. But did you have moments of denial there too? I tried every which thing way to get out of it. Was mm-hmm. it an affair? Was mm-hmm. it, did my DNA get mixed up? Yeah. But I was looking at it. Your mother was Margot. There was no dad, but then on, and then also McMorris just kept popping up with all of my like third to fifth cousins too. Wow. So okay. there was no, no just, denying it. Yeah. I tried so hard. <laughs> so have you now called the whole family tree and you have a whole well, new... Take us through what the family tree looks yeah. like. Well, I actually called a, tree, a family uh, bush because it's oh, yeah. you just yeah, really bush. <laughs> There's mm-hmm. just a lot of us. <laughs> yeah. So I built it out. I built out what is called a mirror tree. And so that's when you take all of your matches and um, go through obituaries and then you build out your tree. So you kind of like backwards, you know, engineer your way into it. Hmm. And so that's that was the, my way of being like, OK, yep, this is this is it. How many half siblings do you have? So to date, I have 12 half siblings. So there's 13 total. Okay. And that's just what I found in four years. And have you spoken with all 12? Do they know you? Have you met them? Yes, I've met most of them. Um, there are three that we call his social children. And so those are the ones that, that he he reared with his wife. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. So there are 10 illegitimate children, which would be his illicit the ones that like me. You're fine, that are all fine. And did you surprise any of them or did they already know? Did they know you existed? No. None of us knew each other existed. So did you blow up in the top for every one of those non-social children? Yes. Yeah, so I was the oh my. third one to test. You did this that many times. Mm-hmm. Third one to test. Okay. Yeah. Third one to test. And and then from there, I had to go tell the two that were already on there. that No, I guess I was the second one to test because the third one was like right after me. Um, I Because I was the one that connected it. I, I call it the first domino effect because I had to be the one to deliver that news. I have to say that um, this is the truth. And so, yes, I, I was the one that had to blow up their entire worlds with it. And that's hard because that's really it's hard. the kill the messenger mentality, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then uh, the hardest part for me is I had to make decisions for my entire sibling group yeah. without their input. 
because they they didn't know they were even a part of the story until they saw a news article yeah. or um, or saw you know something in media and then decided to take a test or if they just got it as a as a birthday present or a Christmas present. Wait, so hold Which up there the for people who me. don't know. Yeah. So this is how we found out about you too. So Charlotte Huffman, who works at Channel Eight, she's an investigative reporter, came into the slate to do her promo. <clears throat> hashtag allergies. She came in to do her <laughs> promo. And Jody was like, I'm sorry, what is the story tonight at 10? Yeah. I'm so confused. And then that's how we got introduced to you. So, And um, then Eve actually sat here and did some video recording for the BBC. And who NPR. NPR, who interviewed her about fertility fraud. Because we'll get to her advocacy next. But yes. we're still deep in the story. Yes. But so were they okay with all of this news coverage that you were... I mean, it sounds like you're advocating, so you want the word out so people know and hear the steps that you take to make sure you don't become part of fertility fraud, right? Mm-hmm. Is that the point of doing the story? Right, and to raise awareness. And to raise and awareness. to change legislation. Did they turn their backs on you? Were they okay with that? So half and half, because... Mm-hmm. You know, the interesting thing about my personal story is I don't have that recipient parent to be protective of that secret of infertility. Yeah. And so many of my other siblings, they have their dad that they have to to protect. Mm-hmm. You know, they are still, they are very protective of that relationship. But then also what, what I've seen in, in my sibling group is it's men versus women. Yeah. Women are like... Oh my God! Because we've we've been in those stirrups on that bed. <laughs> yeah. We know how intimate that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the guys are just kind of like, man, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for him. So they they tend to play more on this, you know, conception gratitude um, uh-huh. of you know, I wouldn't be here. I'm just thankful to be alive. But you know, some of our my half sisters, two of them were our father's patients. So he was their gynecologist giving them breasts and vaginal exams. No, I can't. He delivered three of his grandchildren. No. And she did not know. And then our brother, who is in the same practice, he actually took over his practice, did an emergency gynecological surgery on her two days before her results came in. So their level of care would have been different. Right. No, because family members would not be in charge of these procedures. No. And he knew, but they didn't know. They didn't know. They had no idea that that was their dad. Wow. That's a whole extra layer Did you call him? Trauma. When did you call him? So did you I go? actually... And where is he? I should know us, this yes, already. Yes, but he's in Nacogdoches. He is in, in OB his Gen. house. In deep East Texas. Just chilling. Yeah. No, he's still practicing He medicine. has his license. He, has he, his last, he last. retired from gynecological services about a month ago. So that means basically no more pap smears. And his son is taking over his practice. Um... And then he's still fighting for his license in a lawsuit against yeah. the Texas Medical Board. I will say, because and you, it's interesting to me, because there we'll is the, the whole, the whole oh. Netflix thing out there. And I was watching the promo last night, knowing we were seeing you. And, you know, this one guy has like 3,000 children, right? Um, but you won't watch that yet. That's too hard. I'm not. Yeah. You know, here's the thing. So Jacoba, who um, is, you know, obviously front and center of that, that documentary. What's she, this one called? What's the documentary? Our Father Our on Father. Netflix. Okay, got Just it. came got out it. last week. Okay. She, over the past four years, has become one of my really good friends. And so I feel like I've had a front row seat to it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I know, like... You don't need to like, know anymore. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's, it's a hot stove right now. Mm-hmm. It is a hot stove moment of, you know, when I, I live this every day, whenever I go watch Netflix or I'm watching my shows at night... I'm trying to get away from it. Right. Sure. No, that's when you escape. Yeah, no, right. No, no. But I think what the reason I brought it up that was in the promo to the to the Jody legal part of things, they said, well, there's nothing that we can there's nothing he's done like legally wrong or something. And again, I haven't seen the documentary. There's something he it, he's not breaking the law. Mm-hmm. 
So is that right? That is correct. So he... Well, but it's wrong. Well, it's right. Yeah, but it's wrong. He's <laughs> changing that. Ago. But state by state. Take us yes. through... Yeah, what do Take you us doing? through the legislation. What does it look like? So in 1995, there was something called the Dickey Wicker Amendment. And that was passed by Congress that said that there is going to be no federal funding for the destruction of embryos. In that moment, you took away all the red tape... For, for the fertility industry so they could now um, start to operate like a medical services industry and okay. not not under the scrutiny of research. So when that happened, that kind of like, you know, das, um, cast the die for it. So they are grossly unregulated okay. and it okay. is self-regulated essentially. Mm-hmm. So, so we don't have laws for mm. anything. We don't have pro. I mean, they come up with their own protocols. So in 2019, when when or figured out 2018 in 2019, I set out to change that in Texas. And so in Texas, we made it a sexual assault for a doctor to do this, okay. but we did not insert a um, civil cause of action. Mm-hmm. In that same year, Indiana also passed a bill from Jacoba. And then from there, I've worked with seven other states to pass bills. We have a total of nine states wow. in the last four years giving criminal and civil causes of action. Now, there are several oh, and states. Civil. Okay. And okay. civil. Okay. Well, except for Texas, because in Texas, we have the um, statute of repose, 10 years, mm-hmm. statute of repose. Mm-hmm. And so so there's no civil cause of action because of the Texas Medical Board Liability Act. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are other states. So you'll see these um, two verdicts out of Vermont and um, blanking on the other one. And they had jury verdicts where the victims actually got awarded um, yeah, so that that's been a monetary, great. like an, a monetary award. Yeah, like, yeah, I think yeah. the last one was five point four million. Okay, Ooh, but okay. if you were in a state that has a ten year statute of limitations, you don't have a case because you found out twenty years later. Exactly. There's wow. no discovery role with this. Wait, so are you a lawyer? I am not a lawyer. I feel like but I'm an you honorary seem, lawyer. Yeah, girl, I'm going to give you. <laughs> you have taken a crash course. You could totally pass <laughs> the LSAT from living life. Honorary right. degree. Right. I'll I'll give it to you right here in the Slate <laughs> Podcast booth. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so. This is so interesting. Do you feel like people are receptive to hearing this? Because, you know, people do look to their fertility doctors. It's how their miracles come true. Yes. You know, fertility is such a very deeply emotional journey from folks that I've talked to, right? So where, where do you go from here? Who's advocating with you? Where are you headed with this? What is your goal? So my goal is to do federal legislation. Mm -hmm. And when I first started this, I was told get 10 states and that's your model legislation so we're almost there but with this wave of um the netflix documentary Mm. we are already starting to talk federally even though you know congress is like a cafeteria food fight but right now this is such a good analogy cafeteria congress is a cafeteria genius analogy (laughs) and they're all going to the principal's office it is yeah (laughs) they all need to be in the principal office but this is bipartisan right now and 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 the critique i get on fertility fraud is that why are we making a law when this is not happening anymore commercial dna testing hopefully has has really um, made it to where no doctor is going to do this because they are going to get caught. I see, I see, I see. And which is now true, but also the point, you know, bills can do a lot of things, and this bill in particular raises a lot of awareness. And also this bill acts as like a Trojan horse because I go in 
And I talk to legislators and, and I give them the foundation of education on the fertility industry. Like, hey, did you know that our nail salons are more regulated than the fertility industry? What? Did you know that in a recent report, 18 to 24% of the clinics were found to have misused, mislabeled um, reproductive material? And the problem is that because we are not required to report these mishaps, we don't know the scope of the problem. Right. We right. just know that's right. a thirty billion billion dollar industry. We know twelve point four percent of our population struggles with infertility. Right. We know that we have communities like the LGBTQ community who use these resources a disproportionate amount of time. Mm-hmm. So we have these numbers. We don't have concrete data for it. So I get to go in and say things like that. And it becomes a Trojan horse to be like, hey, you have bigger problems. How we decide on something that is bipartisan right now will determine and set the landscape and the pathway for how we decide on things that technology is going to bring to us that we don't even know yet. True. Artificial wounds. Yep. Gene editing. Oh, all gene. things. You know, the gene editing. Gene totally. Because yeah. that is the future. Yeah. People are totally talking. I mean, California's, I all, there's, that's happening. And, and how do we decide on that? Our laws are already 30 years behind technology. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. do not have the foundation for anything. We do not have donor limits when it comes. If, if you go select a sperm donor, the sperm bank can say, yes, you, we have 10 per family. You're not required to report a live birth. So that's why we see these sibling groups where they have hundreds yeah. of half siblings. How do you navigate that? Biodiversity concerns. How do you know you're not dating when you're siblings? Yes, I've always wondered that. I have actually always wondered that. And then we don't have an international donor registry. We feed fertility tourism in this country. It's very alarming. The bioethics are not there. And our legislators don't know this. Here's the word you just used because it's running through my head. Ethics. Mm -hmm. So, I I mean, you're saying that because it's so unregulated, the companies don't have to follow an ethical standard, but doctors do. So... Tell me, I mean, can you just kind of like or speak to how should, this isn't? But there's no, there's no, there's no one looking over their shoulder. So they're like, wow, I can make more money. This is how I'm going to do it. Correct. Okay. And so you have the American Society for Reproductive Medicine, ASRM, but they are a professional organization. Not doctor. Paid for by doctors. Okay. So it is not mandated that you follow. So when you, the FDA regulates the fertility industry. But they start re- they stop regulating at the lab level. So what that means is when you have an embryologist, all of their stuff is regulated, but it's just the machines. The so machines are the regulated, machines. not what they put in the machines. Well, the machines would be like the um, like the microscopes and you know okay. the the fr- the tank storage, the nitrogen tanks, things like that. Beakers. So, just but kidding. but you get to just dis- yeah the beakers. <laughs> but you, if you want to write with a pencil. And that's how you're going to store your material. Uh, you can do yes. it. I There's see. not. It's not like when you go and you donate blood or if you go mm. to get medicine. I mean, I think of like giving birth. And I've got all these bracelets on. They come in with their scanners. They ask me my name, my birth date. Like a hundred times. Just to give me Tylenol. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to creating humans, we don't have that. Wow. We have no I mean, data so on our like, genetics. No, we're literally too. not even sorry, asking you questions. We're just looking at you with such yeah, blank stares. Like, wow. In okay, the future, so, the gene, how far this, I don't think I, I will really say, thought through the future and how, when you trace this really to, it's like next, 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 next logical conclusion. Yeah. I will really say scary. medical ethics was the most interesting class I took in college oh. besides my journalism stuff. Good and I, and I, No, I, I will say I was blown away because there's, you can pro con so much of this, but it, you, we've got to get it regulated as it continues to change. Kind of like social media. We're also, I feel like, 20 years behind on putting laws in place for social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, to not destroy children's self-esteem. That's another podcast mm-hmm. for another day. Mm-hmm. But here, mm-hmm. and see, now I've already lost my question. This is what is happening to me. No, no, no. You're <laughs> doing great. No, no I'm doing it. It's all good. Yeah. 
Oh my goodness. So there are, okay, I want to be clear too, though, that there are a lot of good doctors out there trying to do the fertility thing the right way. So how do you know you're choosing a good doctor? How do you know Mm -hmm. that that doctor is protecting the embryo or the donor or all the things that come along with this? Or what should someone look at? Mm -hmm. Right. To know that they are, because they're, here's the thing, you know, for 20 bad doctors, there are Mm -hmm. 2000 good ones, right? You know, absolutely. No, that's a great question. And and I get that question a lot. And what I say is when you go in, because you're going to be with for infertility, you're going to be with your doctor and your embryologist. And so you have to realize that as soon as that material leaves the embryologist and goes into the doctor, the clinic, um, if it is not in house, then it is a whole different ballgame because they set their own protocols and procedures. Uh And so the questions that you ask are, what are you doing to make sure that I'm not up there on Netflix? Mm-hmm. And and how are you labeling? How who whose Label, hands yeah, yeah. are exchanging this? How many signatures? How many people are in the room to make sure that that the right embryo goes into the right tube? Mm. And and those are the questions you you really have to think about. And if they don't have an answer, you run. Mm-hmm. Because you should have an informed consent that is a mile long saying this is exactly what happens. And, and you need to ask about your freezer tanks. Do you have a backup generator? That's another thing. These storage wow. tanks, I mean, people have their entire you know family lives in there. That's their family plan. And these clinics, if they don't have a backup generator and, and that storage tank goes out, it's gone. And that is mm-hmm. happening all over. Really? So there are a bunch of questions you need to ask about, you know, what can go wrong and how are you making sure that you're not swapping embryos? Mm-hmm. How are you making sure that, that that embryo or my husband's sperm or that donor sperm is coming to me? Yeah. And there's a lot, of, what there's there's a lot of What steps. is your 20 point step system? There, there's a lot of Walk steps. There are a yep. lot of there's steps. A there are a lot of ways that it can go wrong and you want to know, you want to know where it is. You want to know where it is. Mm-hmm. Well, you are so well-spoken. Where else can people hear from you if they mm-hmm. want to know more? Yeah. Cause we do try to keep these podcasts in bite-sized snacks. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So where else you, can we hear? You can go to my website, www.evewiley.com and you can follow me on Instagram, which is Eve A. Wiley or Twitter, Eve and Andrews Wiley. And that's where you can stay up to date on all legislation progress and the calls to action because you can actually help me. Okay, you are amazing. Thank you for coming. This is eye opening, jaw dropping, heart thumping. And keep going. You're incredible. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, hone it, own it, slate it. That's a wrap. But keep listening after a brief sponsor break to hear the best quote from Shelley's recent vacation. Okay, I think you might know this about me, but one I of the do. first things that I notice when I see somebody, I go directly to the smile, yeah. specifically the teeth. The I chompers, do, the do. chompers. We're, the, we're dentist daughters, Shelly. Truth. I know. And that's how I found Periosciences. It is the leader in antioxidant oral care products. And here's the fascinating thing. I don't mm-hmm. know about you, but I'm pretty into SkinCeuticals. And this comes from the co-founder and former co-CEO of SkinCeuticals, which is pretty cool. And then... You're probably going to be able to predict that I love that Perio Sciences is the only patented oral care solution out there. Patented. That's Bacon. so legal. Jody loves legal things. Oral care is beauty. It's, you know, I never thought of it like this, but this is really skincare, but for your mouth. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So taking care of your oral health is really a gateway to maintaining your overall health. It really is. And I want some overall health. Truth. So let's start with our smile. Slate it for the smile. So the best quote from my recent vacation to New York, the kids begged. We weren't actually doing the big New York City. We were upstate New York. Right, right. 
And we're heading back in Halston. The six-year-old is begging, please, pretty please, let me see the Statue of Liberty. But I'm like looking at the clock going, I'm not sure we can do this and get to LaGuardia. But so we literally do this like drive-by pit stop kind of deal like, yeah do you like literally like just pull into a parking lot and you can totally okay. make them stand get out there it is look at her isn't she great now get back in the car because there's a wreck it's going to take us two hours to get to LaGuardia but Hawkins the older child turns to Halston and says Halston do you even know what the Statue of Liberty means do you even know what this is just like a good yeah, brother so does like yeah exactly and Halston's response is yeah it means you get better insurance <laughs> Liberty, 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 liberty. <laughs> the Slate is a co-working and content studio in the heart of the Dallas Design District. To learn more about The Slate, visit us at www.theslateproperties.com. And to submit ideas for podcast guests, please email us, info at theslateproperties.com. Fast Facts is recorded and mixed at The Slate's podcast studio in Dallas.